Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. New numbers in. So welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska show coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. And we've got some polling data to share with you today and some campaign observations for a couple of the different races. It's April 11th and the newsletter is out for the day. So check it out. I've also posted it on Facebook. So you can check us out at Must Read Alaska on Facebook. And our website is www.mustreadalaska.com. A big show today, John Quick. We were going to have a guest. We we're going to talk about some legislative stuff, but my goodness, the, the scene has changed so quickly and we're just not gonna be able to get away with talking um, without talking about the congressional race and also the Anchorage elections. So uh, buckle up everybody. And uh, thank you to Charlie Pierce for governor for sponsoring our show today. We really, really appreciate the show, the support from Charlie Pierce for governor. He's running with Edie Grunwald as his running mate. And thank you for um, taking the time, the effort and the, the interest to sponsor the Mel Street Alaska show here. But first, John Quick is my co-host and John anchors the show on Mondays. I mean, on Wednesdays, he, he, he he's with me here on Monday, but on Wednesday, you do it all by yourself, and then James Basin anchors the the Friday podcast. But how's everything in Nikiski and uh, and Kenai? Things are going well. Thanks so much, Suzanne. John Quick here, and uh, some of the scuttlebutt over the weekend is a uh, kind of a news story that uh, I know you've reached out to folks to try to find out if it's correct or not. But there was a flyer going out all over Facebook over the weekend from the uh, Alaska Association of Basketball Coaches. Again, we're uh, trying to confirm that this is actually a real flyer because it's it's quite the doozy. And um, the, the flyer says basically that if your kid is uh, on a school field trip with us or like a sporting event with us, you know, the school goes to Kodiak to go play uh, basketball in Kodiak or goes to Fairbanks to go play in Fairbanks, that if your kid gets sexually harassed, sexually assaulted while on the school sporting trip, you can't sue us. And I look at this flyer and I thought, man, this, whoever made this flyer forgot to have this pass the uh, either common sense team or the legal team, because it basically looks like what I think they're trying to say is if your kid, you know, goes to a party while they're at the basketball game and gets sexually assaulted, God forbid, they can't come sue the school. But what it looks like is if, if any sexual assault happens. So if the sexual assault happens by the coaches or something like that, then you can't sue the school. And it's just, that it's not a great look for whoever put this flyer out, which we think is the Association of Basketball Coaches in Alaska. Yeah, and I, I looked at it and I could not believe that this was a serious flyer, but I, you know, it's been sent to me by four different people and they're pretty appalled because on the face of it, it looks like if, you're, if your child is out with us at an All-Stars game, uh, you are signing a waiver that says, you won't sue us if your child is raped. And so th that's pretty broad. I mean, it, I'm pretty sure that any of the coaches that are involved in this association are already covered by certain rules, such as laws, for instance, 
that they can't get involved with their students. So they're, you know, they're covered by this, but the public is misunderstanding, I think, what this uh, flyer says. And I believe they really need to take this back and put it through their legal team because this is about the worst thing I've ever seen. It, it looks like you're just indemnifying them to, you know, they could, anything can happen to your kid and you can't sue us for anything. I'm not so sure I'd send my daughter on a field trip uh, with any of these teams by signing this waiver. That's just me. Yeah, it looks a little little sketchy. The other thing I noticed over the weekend, which somebody sent to me as well, I know a bunch of folks have sent us this flyer. A bunch of folks sent me this post by the governor and um, he posted it two days ago and he said this on his Facebook. He said, did you know, simply saying no to sex is not enough in Alaska. Current Alaska state law requires force of threat or force of rape to be a crime. And he has a fix for this, Senate Bill 187. And I just think that probably the average person has no idea that that's actually the case, that simply saying no is not enough in the state of Alaska. So kudos to the governor or you know whoever is sponsoring this bill on the, on the Senate side for trying to fix that, because I think that that's probably a well-needed bill. Probably is. And actually, when you come to think of it, it you start thinking, you think, well, if, you know, if you say no, no means no. But actually, there are a lot of kids out there and or a lot of adults that are, say, for instance, mentally disabled or in the case of, um, you know, they, maybe they have some sort of retardation or disability that doesn't really allow them to to um, to fight somebody off. And so um, when you so I, I'm going to take a closer look at that. And you, can, you guys can watch Must Read Alaska. We'll get a story out on that soon. But let's talk about, let's turn and talk about our uh, big weekend of news and in the Anchorage election. I just got the numbers in this morning, that uh, the updated numbers for the ballots received, and it's 70,861. Now on Friday, it was 62,695 ballots received out of the 235,882 sent out. Okay, so that was a 26% turnout. So this pushes it up to the 28% range and it, you know, it looks to me like the uh, incumbents will continue to, to win here. There is a possibility that, that there are enough votes in Kathy Hensley's district that were rejected due to signatures that those, those ballots can be repaired and, and there may, she may be able to get within striking distance of a recount in her district. Uh, but it was something that was very interesting to me, if you look at the school board, Marco Bellamy, she won for school board against Mark Anthony Cox. And I don't have the numbers right in front of me now, but I know that there were three opponents and then Margo Bellamy. If you look at the amount of votes that her opponents got versus her, she does not have a mandate. There were more people who voted against her than voted for her. So Margo Bellamy, who's the chair of the president of the Anchorage School Board, she has won her seat, but only because once again, the conservatives and the others split the vote out and we're not, they weren't able to muster enough support to overcome her. <laughs> the, the splitting of the votes just drives me nuts because it just speaks to how unorganized we are sometimes as uh, the conservative side. You know, Democrats are smart. Not only did they kick our butts during this election, which I hate to say, but they did. They outsmarted us, probably out fundraised us, and they pretty much kicked our butts. They also planned ahead of time just in case we won a seat you know, they planted another assembly seat down the oh, road yeah. that they're going to pick up. And so um, what I would encourage folks that run again, we had some awesome candidates on the conservative side, just some of the salt of the earth, mm -hmm. amazing people. 
um, successful, uh, genuine, nice folks that would have done some good. Um, unfortunately, conservatives won't come to vote unless there is some catastrophic need out there. So if you're going to run again, put down the nice card and go to war, because that's the only way that conservatives are going to come out to vote, unfortunately. And um, uh, I think that for folks that ran and lost, you know, keep your head high, uh, do it again. And, you know, uh, Thomas Edison how it failed, what, how many times, you know, thousands of times before he was successful. Uh, but if you put your bootstraps back on, uh, go to war uh, instead of having, uh, you know, a friendly conversation with your opponent. It doesn't mean you have to badmouth your opponent. It just means that you, you have to entice conservatives to come out to vote because unfortunately they're just not going to uh, naturally come out in the numbers that we need unless there's some sort of huge need out there. Yeah, that's true. And, and so we saw that, for instance, in the Stephanie Taylor versus Forrest Dunbar race, which was, you know, Stephanie Taylor is the nicest person in the world, would not go negative on Forrest Dunbar. Well, if you're not going to go negative on him, then why are you even running? I mean, there's something really, really wrong with him. And it needs to be called out. I mean, the guy is an absolute, he's vicious and he's, he's kind of a mobster, quite honestly. And so uh, it, I think if you're not willing to go negative on Forrest Dunbar, who are you willing to go negative on? So we've got to uh, encourage our candidates. I mean, I know that Kathy Hensley's the nicest person in the world and, and Stephanie, Stephanie Taylor's the nicest person in the world. But, um, you know, these are people that really do need to be taken out. You know, Meg Zalatel needed, needed to be taken out. Unfortunately, I believe that the, uh, the recall election for uh, her, which failed, again, liberals get out to vote, conservatives don't, uh, that welded her, her voters to her and that made it much more difficult for Kathy Hensley. But Kathy Hensley should, not, should take heart. Both she and Stephanie Taylor should take heart. There are other seats that they could, they could qualify for. For instance, Hensley could run for house. So could Taylor run for house in her district. And both of them are now a little wiser and. Um, much more experienced at this campaigning. And I would encourage them to do that actually. Yeah, it's, uh, they're both great candidates, great people. And I hope they continue to run um, um, those two candidates in particular. I think conservatives have gotten to know over the last several, you know, six months, Kathy Hensley folks have gotten to know over the last couple of years now, because she's ran a couple of times for different things. And everybody that meets Kathy's impressed with her. And I think that that's, an important, valuable asset. And um, she's very sharp. She runs her own real estate thing. And uh, I hope she continues to, you know, seek public office somewhere, whether it's at a volunteer or at a, on, on a board, maybe, or run, run again. I think that uh, don't let this be a deterrent for not serving folks uh, in a public manner. Yeah. And if you look at the, uh, the numbers for the bond issues, I mean, the, the, the school bond issue failed. That shows a, a discontented public. That shows a public that knows that things aren't going well. But when it comes down to you know, whether or not they're going to vote for another person, you've got to convince them. You've just got to come up with a, a convincing message that tells them that you are listening to them. So if you, our voters almost always pass all the bonds. This time, two of the seven failed, which is actually a very high number. It's not quite a, a quarter, but it is, it's really high. So uh, let's go on to the race for Congress because that is, that's where it gets really interesting, John. I really want to go over this. We did a poll over the weekend. Must Read Alaska uh, contracted with 
Remington Research Group, which is out of Missouri. And we found out about this group during the Bronson campaign. They are owned by Axiom Strategies who did the Bronson for mayor campaign. And they did polling back then. And so uh, we reached out, we said, would you do a poll? Because we're hearing all this stuff about who's ahead in for Congress. There's 48 people on the primary ballot. It's impossible to say where this situation stands, except we do know that uh, Sarah Palin is the 900 pound gorilla in the room. Everybody knows that, that one is pretty clear. But beyond that, we really didn't know. It was all just conjecture and propaganda. We, I kind of thought that Nick Begich, who has been running since October, had a pretty good advantage from out of the gate just because he's been working it so hard. But there's also Tara Sweeney, there's Josh Revac, and there is Al Gross. And Al Gross jumped in as well on uh, at the end of, I think it was March 31st or April 1. And so Al Gross, he's got 146,000 people who voted for him once. And probably most of those people are still in the state. They'll vote for him again. We know Al Gross is a factor. And in fact, this poll, which was among 955 Alaskans in in the Fairbanks and the South Central and the Juneau media market. So they, it's not just Anchorage and that's easy to look at the poll results and say, well, Anchorage is Anchorage and obviously blue. But it, when they say Anchorage, they mean the media market in Anchorage. And it's a, it's a real poll. It is uh, legitimate. It cost us money to do. And it was um, among 955 people who did a phone call. It was phone call, text and email. So a little bit of everything, but it's, it's a pretty solid result. It shows very clearly that Sarah Palin is the one to beat. And that, I think, it surprised me to see the strength of her candidacy uh, across the state. 31% said if they would vote for Sarah Palin today. And uh, boy, that was took, takes your breath away. And then Al Gross, 26%. Now these are name, part of it is just name recognition, such high name recognition. Al Gross having run just two years ago, having raised more money than any candidate in Alaska history, I believe for Senate. He, um, he, outraised, uh, he outraised Dan Sullivan significantly. And it was all outside money that came in and with PACs and so forth, pushing his candidacy. So his name's pretty well known. He's the bear doctor guy, right? Yep. and. Uh... You know, I looked at these numbers and I wasn't uh, I wasn't surprised by the Palin figure, to be honest. She's a uh, <clears throat> you know, I talked to folks, just normal folks here on the Kenai Peninsula. They look at Sarah Palin like almost like a god. You know, it's 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 a uh, she's probably one of the biggest uh, starstruck folks that live in Alaska that we have, out, you know, there's some reality TV show folks that, you know, Alaska reality TV show folks that have their own TV show, but um, she is like held on a pedestal to a certain group of folks. And, um, you know, I was thinking about it over the weekend and uh, you had done a story on one of her posts about ranked choice voting. And it kind of honestly got me a little upset, not your story, but the fact that, you know, where was, Sarah Palin when we needed her. Where was she? She was on the mass Where was she when up. we needed yeah. her fighting? Yeah. Where was she when we were in the freaking trenches trying to fight ranked choice voting and we needed somebody with some celebrity power to raise money for us because we only had six hundred thousand dollars 
and the opposing team had seven million. Right. Where were you to fight alongside of us, you know, folks that vote in Alaska to stop this ranked choice voted thing? Where were you? Now, you've done some great things for Alaska. Don't get me wrong. You, you've had a, you know, a, literally a star studded career. Donald Trump loves you. You can, you've spoken to thousands of folks. You can show up anywhere in the United States and have a following. But where were you when Alaskans needed you the most these last seven years? You were a no-show, and that's upsetting to me. Well, so Sarah Palin still uh, is polling at, according to this poll, 31%. And uh, so that's very interesting. Al Gross at 26%, Nick Begich at 21%, and then Chris Constant, who Assemblyman for, uh, for Anchorage. That tells you a little bit about who the top four could be for uh, going to our, our ranked choice voting in August. Now, the first ballot we're gonna get will be in the mail on April 27th, and we have to have it in by June 11th. And it's mail-in only. They, they, there's no way that they could put together this many in-person elections in such a compressed period of time. So they decided to do the first one, mail-in mail -in only. And that ballot is a beast. If you look at it, we did a story um, last Friday, I think on what the ballot looks like. And we showed you the sample ballot, 48 names on it. Good luck finding the one you want. It is just unbelievable. But everybody, their brother came out as you know, when Don Young died, people said, Oh, I'm so sorry, he died. Where do I sign up? And there were an awful lot of people who signed up. Now, now Nick Begich wasn't one of those people. And quite honestly, Chris Constant also signed up before Don died. He signed up in early March. But Josh Rebach, for instance, waited until the body was cold and then he signed up and he's, he's polling at 3%. And Tara Sweeney, who is uh, his co-chair for the Alaska's for Don Young campaign, she's polling 2%. And then we had, we said, okay, there were other candidates. Do you, do you have any others? And so the other candidates not listed, they, uh, they were pulling 4% and those would be people like Santa Claus, and John Coghill and maybe uh, Jeff Lowenfels, the, the candidates we didn't list because we couldn't. We just didn't have that kind of money, so we're just we're doing the best we can here. And then undecided, <laughs> undecided, yeah, we can't do all forty-eight. Nobody would ever stay with a poll like that. So it's fascinating to see. Uh, it it really is interesting because Al Gross is raising money across the nation by actually with this uh, fundraising pitch using Act Blue, which is for Democrats only. And he says that Palin has 42% and that he has 40% and 18% are undecided. Well, that's not true. We just ground truth that. So we know that he's lying. But anyway, this is a Remington Research, which is a good, good company. They're rated um, by 538. They're rated by the New York Times. And we pulled people between uh, April 7th and 9th. And if you got one of our polls, uh, thank you so much for taking part in it. But it was across the board with likely primary voters. Now, What's going to happen here is that likely primary voters are going to show up because those are our super voters. But this time, because it's a mail-in election, we're going to get everybody, including your barstool voter and your sitting on the toilet voter. You're going to get all the voters who don't usually vote in primaries uh, voting on this ballot because all they have to do is open it up and then mail it back. Right. Yeah, it's a. Uh... There's going to be a ridiculous amount of money spent, I think, as well, um, between, you know, now and, and uh, November when you know, we have two elections, essentially. And 
it's just going to be nuts. You know, all the political consultants in Alaska are probably lining up to uh, oh, work yeah. on some of these races. <laughs> yeah, su- such as they are. Yeah, I understand that uh, Tara Sweeney is using Ship Creek Group. I understand that Josh Rebeck is using Art Hackney. Uh, and so, uh, and I know that um, Nick Baggage is using, uh, well, just his, his friend, Truman Reed. But um, I think I'm, Palin has people from outside the state and Chris Perry, her longtime you know, ally. Yeah, she's going to have a powerhouse, I think, of, oh, yeah. uh, you know, come make a couple phone calls and, and she'll have, you know, uh, Newt Gingrich's old campaign manager. You know, she's going to just have the, the who's who. But, but remember, I think one of the things I look at, it doesn't it, just because you have a Rolodex and a bunch of money doesn't mean you can win. If Remember Mike Bloomberg. Mike Bloomberg oh. ran, had a four-month presidential campaign. He literally spent a billion dollars, one billion dollars in four months. And all he got, the only place that he won was, I think, America Samoa. And um, he, you know, got 55 delegates, I think, in New York. And that was it. And he spent one billion dollars. So um Sometimes out of t- people that are out of touch with reality but have a big pocketbook will still lose. So that's where I think Nick Baggage uh, does well is that he's literally been he is the opposite of out of touch with reality. He's been in the trenches meeting all these folks all over the state, big, small, medium size um, get togethers and shaking hands with thousands and thousands of people. And where was Nick Baggage when we needed him the most? last couple of years, he was in the trenches fighting with us. Yeah. And right. I, pre- I appreciate that about him. That's right. He was a finance chair for the, for the party. He's been on the MTA board. You know, he's not too proud to serve on a uh, electrical board, a telephone board out there in, in the Valley. And he's, uh, he's been involved with as the president of the Alaska policy forum. And he's been, you know, you know he boots on the ground. He's, he's been there and he's pretty well known. And some people always will have a, a sort of baggage derangement syndrome. They just can't get beyond the name. And I'm not one of those people. I mean, some people have Palin derangement syndrome, can't get beyond the name too. So let's, let's, uh, let's, uh, people kind of go crazy about these names, but I will tell you this, that the, that it was interesting on this poll to see that Sarah Palin has an unfavorable rating in, across the state of 51%. And it's fascinating that uh, Al Gross has the same unfavorable rating. So in a ranked choice environment, this is really interesting. Both of them are not well liked by 51% of the, of the population. Now in Anchorage, uh, Sarah Palin had an unfavorable rating of 48%. In Fairbanks, she had an unfavorable rating of 36%. But in Juneau, it was 70%. And in Juneau also, we asked if Trump endorsed somebody, would it matter? And, and, and 73% of the people in Juneau said if Trump endorsed somebody, they would go against that person. So you know, Juneau is so incredibly liberal that way. But the Trump endorsement in general was not necessarily favorable statewide. I got to say, that was interesting. Yeah, and the uh, one of the things that, I think you had a story on this weekend was Sarah Palin. I don't know how this happened. You probably do, but she wanted t- Ted Nugent to come up and speak at the um, one of the Republican party events and uh, <laughs> pretty much got turned down probably by the Republican party chair. And, you know, I think it's, it goes to show the, 
you know, kind of what I've been talking about. Where have you been, Sarah Palin? You show up and you want Ted Nugent to speak and you haven't been involved in the party in, you know, 10 years. And I think she's trying to be helpful. And unfortunately, it falls on deaf ears because you're working with folks that whether we like the Republican Party right now or not, they're working this, they're working, you know, they've been working at it for years and years and years. And somebody shows up with a celebrity and expects to get what they want. And it just doesn't always equivalent to she's used to getting everything she wants. And sometimes it's not going to work that way. Yeah, I, the thing with the Ted Nugent was weird. I mean, I, I guess it, it's, again, she's been a, an enemy of the Republican Party, actually, because she says it's corrupt and she's run on the Republican Party being corrupt. She's always been sort of the outsider running against the party. And quite honestly, there's a lot of really good people in the party. They work really hard to get, elect, uh, to get conservatives elected and they, they don't really appreciate being called corrupt. They're just grassroots people and they aren't being paid. They don't, they don't, they're not getting millions of dollars. They don't have a $52 million net worth like she does. And they don't really appreciate being called corrupt. And then to and then to show up at the last minute and says, I have Ted Nugent. Do you want me to bring him to your convention? Well, they've already got it scheduled. Maybe if she had, maybe she suggested this eight months ago, but they've been working hard on this convention. They can't just all of a sudden change for a rock star guy to come and they couldn't even fit him in the Westmark, quite honestly. They'd have to go to the Carlson. And then that, that means that they would have to uh, disinvite some of the guests they've already invited, such as um, the, the congressman from, from from Florida who's coming up and he's expecting he's going to be able to speak. Well, it's just like, you know, treat people that way. So it just didn't work out for her. But, um, and, you know, she's got a lot of game in front of her. Let me tell you, we are 60 days away from the end of this uh, election, this primary cycle, 60 days away. But we're only, um, what is it, um, 16 days from the ballot going in the mail. I mean, wow. time is going fast. The ballot will be in the mail on the 27th. That is just no time at all. So um, uh, before we go, I just want to mention that over the weekend, I saw some things on Facebook that were kind of neat. Um, that Chris Constant and Mary Perlotta got the Women's March endorsement. But they're not having any events that I can see of for their campaigns for Congress. But they got the endorsement of the Women's March. This is the group that is the real hard leftist anti-Trump. They're the ones who marched on Trump from day one. Day one, they started marching on Trump. And then they never really stopped. Um, the Women's March in Alaska is probably one of the most left-wing groups in the state. So Chris Constant can be happy that he got their endorsement. Tara Sweeney had a really great little fundraiser over at Hugh and Carol Ashlock's house. And lots of, lots of nice um, business leader people were there. And about 75, up 50 to 75 people showed up. And then on Tuesday, Josh Reback has a fundraiser. And I don't know where it is. He's not announcing where it is. You have to kind of ask him through an email where, to, where it is, I guess, private or something. But he's got some good uh, names on his uh, list of co-hosts, including, I think, Natasha von Imhoff, which is interesting. That's, that could, that's an endorsement that certainly can cut both ways. And, yeah. and he's got um, Jim Jansen and, and Mel Gillis and uh, Sheila, Sheila Cernich, which I wish that he would have spelled her name right. Um, but but never, nevertheless, she's um, on his list. Um, also, we see, oh, I'm just looking through the list, see if there are any names that we recognize. Art Hackney, who is his campaign manager, 
is on that list. So he will have his first fundraiser on Tuesday. And um, I, I put the post up on our Facebook page so people can go and see that. And if they want to go, they'll have to send him a note and ask him where it is because he's not saying. But anyway, later on today, I just want to mention um, that we're going to have a story on the Biden administration cracking down on homemade guns, including uh, guns that come from 3D printers. And he's got an executive order that he's announced today that he is going to actually try to prevent guns from getting on the street that don't have serial numbers. And this is a very interesting case because, of course, people in Ukraine wish they could have guns without serial numbers at this point. But um, he's, uh, these are called ghost guns, according to the administration. And he and Merrick Garland have decided that privately made uh, firearms are, are going to be prohibited. And I'll have a, a story on that today. I'll have some other stories up on Must Read Alaska, too, if you want to check it out. But um, if you're a supporter of the news here on the conservative side, I just hope you all uh, throw a donation there in on the right-hand side. There's a little donate button at mustreadalaska.com. And we really, really appreciate your support. Anything else do you have to say, John? Uh, no, we're just uh, excited to see this race play out. And, uh, um, you know, uh, former Governor Sarah Palin, uh, I'd love to have you on my show. So if you listen to this, you know, uh, I've, uh, you know, sent you an email about coming on the show and so far crickets. So just know for our listeners out there that are like, why are you guys so harsh on Sarah Palin? We'd love to, I'd love to have her on my show. She could tell me all about what she stands for and what she represents. Um, I've reached out twice so far and, and, you know, they're too good for me, obviously. So um, just so you know, folks that listen, we've, I have reached out and, and they have never responded. So all right. Well, good for you. Thanks for doing that. And, and everybody listen to John's show on Wednesday because he always asks people five really interesting questions and, and it's always a good show. And thanks again for, uh, to Charlie Pierce for Governor for, for sponsoring our podcast. Uh, Charlie Pierce for Governor is our, the first sponsor of our podcast and we really appreciate that. But until next week, uh, I'm signing off from somewhere in Alaska. And again, tune in on Wednesday to hear more from John. See ya.